Welcome. This is David Barris, President of the American Association of Bank Directors. This is another in ABD's Calling All Bank Directors podcast episodes. Our guest today is Tom Bartanian. Tom is the former Executive Director and Professor of Law Program on Financial Regulation at George Mason's Law School, partner at Deckert and Fried Frank, and General Counsel at Federal Home Loan Bank Board and FSLIC. He currently is a partner in the law firm of Artanian and Lettig. He's the author of 200 Years of American Financial Panics, Crashes, Recessions, Depressions, and the Technology That Will Change It All. This is part two of two podcast episodes with Tom. Part two will cover how bank boards know when the next financial crisis is coming, what bank boards can do now to prepare for the risks of a financial crisis, and what role bank boards can play in in influencing change in regulation, which can have a role in creating financial crises. All right, let's call Tom. Welcome, Tom, to Calling All Bank Directors. Great to be back, David. You recently published, as we mentioned the last uh, episode, uh, a book entitled 200 Years of American Financial Panics, Crashes, Recessions, Depressions, and the Technology that Will Change It All. And in our first episode together, you um, addressed questions such as, uh, has the U.S. experienced more devastating financial crises than other countries? The answer was yes. And if so, why? You explained uh, the, the role of government and now uh, perhaps technology as to why that may have happened. Uh, what can we learn from history? That was discussed. Uh, what is different this time? What needs to change? And what does your research suggest about the next financial crisis. So this time, uh, Tom, we want to address uh, as practical as possible these questions as to the bank boards, our our, uh, members. So um, first question would be, how will bank boards know when the next financial crisis is coming? What will be the warning signals, if there are any? Yeah, David, I, I guess the, the answer to that question is sort of the, uh, the follow-up to the answer I gave to the last question in the last session we had, and that is that if you were aware of the signs and signals, and, and I go through those in great depth in the book and sort of lay them out um, systematically, but if you're aware of the signs and symbols uh, of financial crises, and that is uh, – great amounts of capital and cash in the economy, increasing amounts of speculation, increasing corporate and household debt leverage. And and today we're at the highest levels in 15 years that we've had. Increased control of the economy by the Fed, and and that is happening in enormous scale today with the amounts of uh, assets on the balance sheet of the Fed, $8 trillion today, and the amount of lending that's going on, uh, student lending debt uh, at, at historic levels, um, and of course, the kinds of things we're seeing in technology and the both enormous pace of technology and the enormous threats that are being created by technology. Those are the kinds of symbols and signals that I think I would be looking for if I were on the board, and it would tell me 
uh, and I've, I laid this out in the book in, in some detail, that you really have to understand the risks in the marketplace from an historical point of view to be able to best use your judgment as a director of, uh, of a bank. And what I mean by that is that you, you got to know where the risk is, and you have to know how to control and moderate that risk. And I think what we're seeing now is a constellation of different kinds of risk. And it's incumbent upon directors of financial institutions, number one, to work with management to understand that risk and to manage that risk in the institution. And I've always been a fan, frankly, since my days at the Office of the Control of the Currencies uh, back with you in the 1970s, of, of balancing the assets on the books of the bank with fee income operations. Um, and fee income because uh, largely because it is less or no risk income to the institution, which makes most of its money based on taking risk. Uh, and that raises an interesting question, David, that, that again, I talk to in the book. And that is, are the, are the Congress and the regulators going to let banks compete fairly in this new technologically enabled environment? And what I mean by that is, is that we regulate prudentially only banks in this country. Everybody else who takes part in the financial services system is not regulated prudentially. What does that mean? Well, when we started regulating back in the 1930s, banks were about 95% of the financial services market. And so the regulatory system that was created uh, was a fair one re relative to how much of a role the banks had in the financial services system. Well, today, banks are about 35% of the financial services system with all of the various different kinds of companies, uh, online companies, online lenders, tech companies, hedge funds, private equity firms, insurance companies, mutual funds that are out there competing for the same consumer dollars that the banks are. So the banks are now at 35%, but they attract 100% of the prudential regulation. And so what you've got is, is a system that's that's imbalanced. You've got 100% of the regulatory resources uh, that are out there regulating 35% of the marketplace. What does that mean? That means also that banks are being uh, hurt competitively because they are competing in the financial services market with companies that are not regulated. And the fairness of that eludes me completely. And so what I've argued for in, in my book, and, and I think provided enough evidence to make the argument reasonably solid uh, is that it is far past time that we start regulating financial activities and everybody has, who has a role in creating those financial activities rather than just banks. And if that happens, if that happens, we will level the playing field. If we don't do that, I think Congress and the regulators have to think strongly about giving banks more opportunities to be in fee income businesses to be able to reduce and manage their risk. And that's something if I were on the board that I'd be keeping my eye on as we move forward into this technological environment uh, that we're moving into because it's, it, it is changing the competitive landscape even more than in the past. Well, I think that's a, an excellent point, which uh, I think leads to my next question, which has to do with the board role in uh, overseeing strategy for banks. And I, 
and while there are a lot of constraints on banks uh, offering fee income type products, there is also some leeway, particularly historically with the OCC, uh, that does allow banks to engage in a variety of financially related or banking related activities. One issue I've seen over the years, and this is more prevalent among smaller banks than the large banks, is their heavy reliance on um, on lending and the margins and very little fee income comparatively. And many have not fully uh, considered uh, products and services that might produce more fee income and allow the banks to have uh, loan to deposit ratios that are are, are more risk averse. Uh, so um, I was wondering if you had any uh, thoughts on that. Yeah, I do, David. And I think that's a critical point to community banks as we move forward, because in the age of technology where there are in, and in cyberspace where there are no borders, you've got to ask yourself about what's the role of, of community banks in this country. And I would argue that they have always had and should have a prominent role, but that role's got to change with technology because we're now dealing in a borderless world uh, where, you know, you have to ask yourself, what's the future of the dual banking system in this country when we really don't pay attention to state borders anymore with respect to the provision of financial services? And I, I go back to what I said a minute ago, and that is, you know, in the 1800s, when state banks and community banks were set up, they were largely there to provide every aspect of a person's financial activity to satisfy every financial need that they had, because they were the only outlet for people in that environment. And as we became more and more regulated, we sort of began to put banks, large banks and community banks in boxes and began to restrict and restrain the amount of things they could do and how they could do it, largely because they were FDIC insured, and largely because if you're FDIC insured, it's the government's obligation to reduce the risk that you're taking. And so I think what's happened is we, we reduced the risk in the wrong way. <laughs> we, we sort of over-regulated the lending and capital business and didn't let banks into other businesses that might give them other avenues of income at less risk. And so I, I really do think that if I were on the board of a bank today, I'd be thinking about two, two or three important things. Number one, what's the role of technology and how is it going to affect my bank and the future of this bank? And if it does go, is going to have an impact, what does that mean for what we do in terms of partnering and consortiums and joint ventures with people who can provide us with the technology we need to remain competitive. The second thing I think I'd look at is how to diversify my book of business and reduce my risk and manage the risk so that, you know, I'm not setting the bank up for an, an enormous crisis uh, the next time it rolls around. And I would try to figure out how to make my bank as counter-cyclical as possible using fee income, reduce risk and, and technology, for example, uh, to sort of make that risk uh, less hostile when the economy turns around. And thirdly, and I think this is important and it comes out of every crisis that I've looked at, uh, I would second guess the policies that are being thrown at me by the government, 
And in this case, you know, I think the, the regulators get put in a box by the Congress. And unfortunately, I think Congress has forced our regulators to, to, to use their judgment, judgments with one arm tied behind their back. Because the Congress is sort of regulating now uh, the business very directly. Uh, you know, when you or I were in it in the 1970s, the admonition from Congress to the regulators were make sure everybody's running a safe and sound operation if they have a bank. Well, today, and particularly after Dodd-Frank, Congress is producing a cookbook of what they think safe and sound operation is, and that's not necessarily what the regulators would judge as safe and sound. So I guess my, my final point here is that if I'm on a board, I got to second guess what Congress is making me do in terms of policies and procedures, because we know now that many of those have exploded into financial crises. And yes, you have to follow the law, but I think you have to follow the law tempering what you do and how you do with good judgment and with historical knowledge about how these things can blow up and cause greater risk in the long term. Well, thank you, Tom. This has been very illuminating. And uh, we thank you again for uh, your efforts on this. And congratulations on the uh, new book. And it's uh, I checked around. It's available a lot of places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Target, uh, you name it. So it's it's out there. So thank you again for joining us. And David, thanks for the honor of being here with you and the directors. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's great to be here.